Hi, I'm Jan. And I'm Lynn. Welcome to the Lamplighters podcast. Lamplighters is a community that encourages women to grow in our faith through the study of God's Word. We are grateful to be on the journey with you this year as we travel through the Psalms. Last week, we reflected on confession and forgiveness and how we must first confess in order to receive God's forgiveness. An easier lesson for some of us than others, probably. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) So, Jan, what is it that we will be talking about today? Well, uh, we've got a couple of Psalms today. But I want to just say that it's no accident that we have arrived at these Psalms this week, which is the week before Holy Week on the Christian calendar. And I want to do this a little bit differently. Um, I'm going to immerse myself in the context because of something that happened when I began to study for this lesson. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that is nothing happened. Oh, good. Okay. (laughs) So like all the Psalms, Psalm 116 and 118 are very powerful worship songs for public, you know, for the people of God. Mm -hmm. And they focus on the fact that God hears the cries of his people and acts. So they tell us once again that God is trustworthy. Mm -hmm. God hears us. God loves us. God wants us to pour our hearts out to him. And all of that is true. It's true, true, true. But part of me thought, oh, no, not again. And honestly, the Psalms were beginning to sound a little repetitious to me. Uh I mean, how many different ways can we say restate the same themes. Right. Um, So then prompted, Holy Spirit at work, uh, I was prompted to go back up and look at a bigger picture. So that's what we're going to do today in order to come to a fuller meaning of these two Psalms, right? Okay. Well, you're right. And I I will say, um, I I have felt the same way about the Psalms. They do have a lot of the same themes. (laughs) But I also am reminded that we are being taught these over and over again because we need to hear them over and over again. Because we need you know, to remember. It, yes, it's not a one and done thing. Yeah. Um. So that so that's been good. Um. Even though it does at times feel repetitious, and I also really appreciate this reminder that we always need to see the bigger picture. Yeah. Um. Because especially when we don't understand what we're reading, because Scripture is a story from the beginning of creation to our salvation in Jesus Christ. That is a really big picture, mm-hmm. um, and we need to understand where what we're talking about and where we are in that big picture. The, yes, yeah. exactly. Well, uh, for this, our purposes today, we're going to go all the way back to Israel's defining moment as the people of God, and that's to the story of the Exodus. Okay. So if you want more details and not just, you know, the summary according to Jan, uh-huh. uh, go back and read Exodus 7 through 12. And and I would encourage everybody to do that because it's a wonderful story and it gives you I- I even more depth than what I'm going to go over today. Right. Um, even if the story is familiar to you, and as you said, it never hurts to review, mm-hmm. uh, primarily because this is the defining story for Christians, too. Right. Uh, I would go so far as to say is that the Exodus story is the foundation of our understanding of the cross. Okay. So if we don't understand Exodus, we or, don't understand the cross. Okay. Okay. So just to review quickly, God's people, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, had been spared a devastating famine in ancient times in the in the Promised Land because they had been invited to come to Egypt by Joseph. Joseph was one of Jacob's sons, mm-hmm. and how he got to Egypt is a story for another time, but right. it is a great one. It is a good one. Well, Pharaoh liked Joseph, told him to invite his family, and then he liked Joseph's people. 
However, things changed, <laughs> and pretty soon a different Pharaoh came along who felt threatened by God's people, so he enslaved them. Mm. For 400 plus or minus years, the children of God cried out to the Lord to rescue them from the hideous conditions they were living in under slavery. God hard, to heard, even, hard to even under comprehend 400 years. That's no. older than the country that we live in. Yeah, really. <laughs> And God heard, but he didn't act for 400 years right? until he finally sent Moses and Moses' brother Aaron Mm -hmm. to free the Hebrews. Now, you can imagine Pharaoh wasn't too happy about that. That was free labor for him. And what follows is a great face-off. Moses and Aaron versus the magicians of Pharaoh. Mm -hmm. Or really, it's the Hebrews' God versus the Egyptian gods. And God sent a variety of plagues uh, to the Egyptians to persuade Pharaoh to let his people go. In fact, nine of them in ever-increasing severity. The, the, this was always my favorite when I was a child because we had a picture Bible. At oh, our, absolutely. And so when we look at the plagues and see all those awesome pictures of frogs and, you know, locusts and whatever else it was. Oh, it was yeah. fascinating to it, me. It, it's, it's great fuel for a child's imagination. Yes, I is. love that too. And we had a picture Bible too. Yeah. Um, however, Pharaoh was recalcitrant and just hard-hearted. Mm-hmm. So Moses finally warned Pharaoh that a 10th plague was going to come. And after this final plague, Pharaoh would let God's people go. Mm. Pharaoh said, oh yeah, uh, try me. He hardened his heart. And the 10th plague was unleashed. Every firstborn would die. Yeah. Now, in order to protect God's people from the consequences of this final plague, the Lord issued strict and specific instructions. Take a spotless lamb, a one-year-old male, one per family, or share with your neighbors if you didn't have a very big family. All of the Hebrews would kill their lambs at twilight Take some of the blood of that sacrifice and mark the sides and the top of the door Mm -hmm. of the house where they would eat the meal. Uh So doorposts and lintel were marked with blood. Then they were to roast the lamb, eat it with unleavened bread, Mm -hmm. because yeast took time to rise, and herbs, and eat the feast in haste with their traveling clothes on. Mm. I mean, that's pretty specific. That's very specific. Exodus 12, 11 through 13 is the reference for this, and I'm just going to read it. Okay. It is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord, as a statute forever. And the Jewish people have celebrated this feast every year since then. You know, Jen, I'm not Jewish. I don't have any Jewish heritage, but I just listen to this and I can only imagine how deep the feelings are in celebrating this holiday. Um, I mean, it is, that's hundreds of years Mm -hmm. of doing that. And since most scholars think that the exodus from Egypt occurred about 1446 BC, that is a long time to maintain a tradition. Yep. It's about 
3,500 years. That's a long time. If the math is correct. Right. <laughs> and just think, if David was born about 1,000 B.C., the Israelites had already been celebrating this feast for almost 500 years before David wrote any of these psalms. Wow. I mean, that's just amazing to yeah. me. So the point to ponder is for them as God's people then and us as God's people now is mm-hmm. what was so important about this exodus event that faithful Jews continued to follow the Lord's instructions to celebrate even when they failed to be obedient on so many other fronts. Right. This was the one thing they were obedient about. Huh. Okay, so let me give you a little bit more background. Okay. And I promise we're going to come to the Psalms at some point. Okay. The Exodus celebration came to be known as the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the three um, annual festivals that required Jews to come to Jerusalem. It was in the spring. Mm-hmm. It lasted seven days, during which only unleavened bread was mm-hmm. eaten with meals. Think we could eat tortillas today. Yeah. Um, anyway, as part of the week-long festival, one meal was specifically dedicated to the remembrance of the Exodus, and that was the Passover meal. Uh-huh. Now, because I see the Passover from this side of the cross, it's always had a somber and serious connotation for me. Of course. But for the Jews of Jesus' time, we have to remember it was a really joyous festival. Oh, yeah. They looked back on a time when God intervened to save his people, mm-hmm. and they looked forward to the coming of the promised Messiah who would save God's people again. So mm-hmm. it was full of joy. And there was always um, hopeful expectation at the time of the Passover. But in this year, about 33 AD, mm-hmm. the excitement was at a fever pitch. Why? Because there was one that many people thought would fulfill the promise. (laughs) I think I know who you're talking about. Mm -hmm. He was born to a virgin in Bethlehem, and he had spent his young life as a carpenter, but also as a teacher of sorts, always seeking to talk with others about God. Um, And by 33 AD, which is when we're talking about right now, he Mm -hmm. was well into his ministry with his chosen disciples. Um, But no one truly understood at that point what this Messiah was going to do. How could they? Um, the thought that he would save them um, was there, but they didn't know how it was going to happen. Yeah. They expected this triumphal king riding in to right. save them. To save them from the Romans. Yes. Much like God had saved his people from the oppression of the Egyptians. Okay? Right. Yeah. They expected a literal, physical, political Messiah like Moses. Mm. Another Moses is what they were looking for, okay. right? Okay, so I want you to imagine ancient Jerusalem, because this is important, Okay, not just to the story, but to the Psalms. It was a beautiful city surrounded by massive stone walls with strong gates. It had lots of impressive buildings, but of course was dominated by the temple with its golden dome brilliantly reflecting the sun, really on the high point of the city. Mm-hmm. The population of Jerusalem was usually between twenty and 30,000 people. But at the time of the Passover, this most significant uh, of festivals, mm-hmm. the population exploded. And estimates vary from 200,000 people to over a million. Now, I'm just oh telling gosh. you, we had guests in our home for two weeks. Yeah. It was just like 10 of us. Yeah. I don't know how you accommodate 
20,000, 200,000 to over a million people. I don't either, especially without all of our modern conveniences. I know. You know, this just reminds me, living in Austin, we sort of experience this off and on throughout the year. You know, summer is quieter because UT doesn't have as many students and then fall comes and the traffic comes back and just all of our festivals, South by Southwest and ACL, where literally tens of thousands of people come for the weekend um, or football games. I mean, there's always a dramatic difference. I mean, you can feel it when that happens. Even if you're not trying to navigate traffic. Right. I'm, I'm, imagine if all those cars were camels or yeah, donkeys. I, I can't. I <laughs> and can't. there weren't any Airbnbs back then. That's right. Uh, if you were fortunate, if you had somebody who lived in the city and you could room in with them, you know, or mm-hmm. some people could maybe be lucky enough to score a room in an inn, although I'm sure the prices were gouging then, oh, even sure. as they are now. Yeah. Every possible nook and cranny in Jerusalem was filled with people who had come for the festival. And it was so packed that campsites uh, sprang up on the hillsides around the city. It was literally overflowing with pilgrims who travel from all over the world mm. to celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Mm-hmm. It was filled to capacity for, and beyond capacity for yeah. many, many days. Now, the focal point of each pilgrim's attention was, of course, the temple. Mm-hmm. And that's where the lambs for the feast were brought and sacrificed. Now, for some math nerds out there, I'm going to give you some rough numbers just because I enjoyed figuring this out. If we assume that a year-old lamb feeds 15 people, depending on the number of pilgrims, between 14,000 and 67,000 lambs oh, would be sacrificed for the Passover meal. I just can't even, that's gruesome to think about. <laughs> no, I mean, imagine how many flawless one-year-old males, animals, mm-hmm. you'd have to find. And imagine the noise and the blood. Yeah. And you grew up kind of in the country. Yes, you know I, what yeah. lambs sound mm-hmm. like. The smells and the cook fires and the jostling, the crowds around the temple. Uh, it just must have been sounding like mayhem. Yeah. But imagine Jesus watching all of this in the midst of the rising excitement. What was the Lamb of God thinking and feeling as he witnessed all of these Passover lambs being brought to Jerusalem Mm. to be sacrificed? Mm. He knew his time had come, and he knew this would be his final Passover, in fact, the final Passover. Well. Um, I love this picture that you've painted. You know, now we're deep in the context of of what these um, psalms are talking about. So now that we've got the background and the history and the math and, and all of that, are you ready to uh, mention the psalms yeah, for the yeah. week? Yes, we better go back to the psalms. Okay. You know, all the psalms, as we've discovered this year, lead us to the Lord yeah. in worship and prayer and perspective and all of that. But there is something unique about these psalms that in, you have to understand in order to really understand the, what the psalm is saying. Mm-hmm. Psalms 113 to 118 are known as the Egyptian Hallel Psalms. Mm -hmm. Hallel means praise. Mm -hmm. So we get our word hallelujah from that word, praise the Lord. Okay. These Psalms focus on God's saving love for his people and his endearing commitment to them throughout history. In fact, the theme of all these Psalms can be found in the last verse of Psalm 118, which is, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Mm. The, these psalms were sung or recited throughout the Feast of Unleavened Bread, remembering the Exodus yes. from Egypt. And they were sung during the Passover meal, looking both backward and forward. 
In fact, in Mark 14, we see that Jesus and his disciples had sung a hymn and then went out to the Mount of Olives. The last hymn they sang was Psalm 118. Oh, I love that. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Uh, It gets even more wonderful. We'll get to that. Okay. So throughout this study this year, we've been pointed toward Christ in subtle and not so subtle ways. And we can see that because we are this side of the cross, right? Mm -hmm. We know that Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We know that the salvation of the Exodus was symbolic of the ultimate salvation of God's people through Jesus's final sacrifice on the cross. Mm -hmm. We know that we are marked by his blood. We are saved from the power of death. The angel of death passes over us, right? And we are saved for abundant life, eternal for him, Mm -hmm. saved for him. Mm -hmm. Now, Jesus knew the outcome of that final Passover, and we know what happened. But as you said earlier, the people of God, even Jesus' closest friends, didn't know and certainly didn't understand. Yeah. Okay, so let's immerse ourselves in this story. Use our sanctified imagination, if you will, and remember the events of that Holy Week. It began on the first day of the week. We call it Sunday. Okay. The Jews called it Lamb Selection Day. Oh. When every family chose their sacrificial lamb, and it was on that day that the Lamb of God rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. Oh. And the crowds were chanting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They Mm -hmm. had no idea what they were saying. Yeah, the perfect lamb entering the city. So we know the story. He was hailed as a king. Jesus then cleared the temple. He celebrated the Passover meal with his closest and dearest friends. He washed their feet, including the feet of the one who would betray him. He gave them a new commandment. He instituted the Lord's Supper so that we can remember Mm -hmm. how important this is. But the atmosphere in that upper room was heavy. The disciples were confused and perhaps a little afraid at Jesus' words to them. Yeah. And at the close of the evening, before they retreated to the Mount of Olives, before that last night, Mm -hmm. they sang. Now, what I want you to do, Lynn, is close your eyes if it helps you. And just imagine Jesus, the night before the cross, singing these words. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. I trusted in the Lord when I said, I am greatly afflicted. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servant. I am your servant, Lord. I serve you just as my mother did. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. I will not die but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. 
The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. That's powerful. Mm. I almost wish we had done this before the very first lesson, because we've been saying all year that these psalms are poems and songs recited by the people to worship God. But I don't think I've ever really pictured what that would look and sound like. And that just brought it to light. And it's mm-hmm. so powerful. It's, um, it's so vivid. Yeah. And I can't imagine how emotional it felt for everyone who was taking part in it. Well, and for Jesus, knowing, knowing yeah, that I mean, all it's, of that applied to him. It's haunting. And was coming. It's it haunting, is haunting, isn't it? All right. So <sighs> let's take a deep breath. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to leave us with this week? Well, there's not really much to say after that, Lynn, but uh, I would like our listeners to read and explore the great Hallel Psalm, which is Psalm 136, and just to read that, immerse yourself in it. And remember, it was also sung over the Passover meal, and just let it wash over you and imagine Jesus singing those words. You know, Jesus, the name Jesus means God saves. Mm-hmm. And his name is his job description yeah. was that he is our salvation. He saves us from death and sin, and because of him, we no longer have to fear dying. We simply step from life into greater life, as Joe yeah. Williams, our pastor, is always saying. So he saves us from, but he also saves us for mm. for himself because of his great love and for no other reason. We belong to a God so great that he came down to do what was necessary, that we could be with him forever. Mm -hmm. And that's our defining story. So this week, ponder that defining story Mm -hmm. of the cross and what it means to you in the world. And remember, all the times God has rescued you in a smaller sense and rescued you with a big R with salvation as a way of exalting him through Holy Week. Um, uh, That's... A suggestion that is could be very, very powerful. Mm. And it's going to take some time and it's going to take some quiet. So I hope people can carve that out because I think it would be, um, it's going to change your perspective, I think, on Holy Week. Certainly did mine. Yeah, yeah. And I think it will bring, you know, life to something that's meant for each one of us personally. It just really makes it, you know, for you alone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to keep it as head knowledge when it transforms your heart, I think. Okay. Which well, is the whole point. That's right. right. That is the point, whole point. All right. Until next time.